0: So, turns out I might have been just a little bit optimistic last week about how school would end and really turn down after the weekend, but that's all behind us now. We're done and we're ready to discuss week six of the ISFL. Let's talk about it. So today we're going to be discussing week six of the ISFL, the winners, the losers, the power rankings, and the people that I get very, very upset at. And then we're going to be looking ahead to week seven, then taking some questions because I was just a little bit behind on those questions, and then giving you a music outro, everything basically the same as always. So starting off with the Honolulu HaHalua at the New Orleans second line, the winner being NOLA 31-19, Honolulu can't win a game. Falling to 0-6, you don't need me to tell you that their season is over. Not too many people had high expectations for the team from Hawaii, but I don't think anyone picked them to come out so flat. NOLA continues their bounce back after their loss to Philly and finds themselves at 5-1, leading the ASFC. Notable players for Honolulu, Jed Podolak, the wide receiver, had five catches for 105 yards. And on defense, Davril Levine, the safety, had five tackles, one tackle for loss, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery, one pass deflection, and one interception. Whew, need to catch my breath after that one. For Nola, the running back Mike Rochburns had 66 yards, averaged 4.7 yards per carry, and scored two touchdowns, while on defense Magnus Rakia had four tackles and two sacks at the defensive tackle position. My play of the game, with 6.16 left in the fourth quarter, leading a game-winning drive. On fourth and five, Nicholas Ayers came up one yard short, forcing a turnover on downs. Listen in on the radio call. Fourth down and five, Honolulu needing this drive to win the game quarterback Luke Skywalker lines up under center. Nicholas Harris in the backfield. He's going to take the handoff. He's going to run left. He's going to be trying to get through the hole. He's going to cut upfield, and he's going to be just short of the line to gain. Yes, the refs are going to say he came up just short, and that's going to be a second-line victory coming out after that stop. All right, next up, we've got the Yellowknife Wraith as the Chicago Butchers. Winner coming out on top was the Yellowknife Wraiths, 23-10. Yet another impressive win to add to the board for Yellowknife. The best defense in the league resides in Canada, and their offense isn't lagging too far behind. The Wraiths sit at 5-1 and are tied with Sarasota for the top spot in the NSFC. Chicago losing this game isn't killer, but they will definitely want this one back. A home game against perhaps the top team in your division is a hard opportunity to screw up, and this will take the latter half of the season much harder, especially since they also have the disadvantage against the Sailfish. Look for them to have a solid hold on the third seed going forward. My notable players for Yellowknife, I've got Colby Jack at the quarterback position, throwing for 215 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception, while on defense, Douglas Quaid had seven tackles, one tackle for loss, and one pass deflection. For Chicago, Sean O'Leary at the wide receiver spot had five catches for 97 yards and a touchdown, while Tyler Oles Jr. had three tackles, two pass deflections, and one interception. My play of the game, at the very end of the first quarter, George O'Donnell threw an in to safety Johnny Helzapoppen, leading to Yellowknife Wraith's first touchdown and a 7-0 score. Listen in on the radio call. Still tied 0-0 here in the first quarter. George O'Donnell lines up under center. He's going to take the snap through wide receiver split out. He's going to look well left. Nobody's open. He's going to look right. He's going to throw right. He's going to be intercepted. Johnny Helzapoppen's got it. He's going to be taken down right there, and Yellowknife has possession. Okay, next up we've got the Colorado Getty at the Berlin Fire Salamanders. A game Berlin came out on top, 20 to 17. And yeah, my my notes for this game are literally just rant. And I need I need to, I need to talk about this for for just a second. Okay, so the situation is 32 seconds left, first and ten at the 12. There is a pass thrown quickly to Dave Batista. For the simulation says. Pass completed for 12 yards. Now, maybe my math's a little off. Maybe maybe I'm just, you know, I, I was never a particularly good math student, so maybe, you know, I'm just wrong on this. But if you're on the 12-yard line and you gain 12 yards, that sounds like that's a touchdown to win the game. Also, I don't know in the history of the NFL, unless you're playing against the Steelers, that a play that went for 12 yards somehow took 32 seconds off the board. I I do not understand this. Like if you're within the simulation and you know that a 12 yard play takes half a minute to run somehow, then at that point, what you do is you kick the field goal when you're down three. But for some reason, the simulation decides that no, they're going to run the play. They're going to decide that a 12 yard play is not actually a 12 yard play. And then there's going to be no spike. There's going to be no field goal. And somehow that's going to be the very last play of the game. That makes no, no sense to me. And, and it, somehow, like, because it's not like it's the home field advantage, right? Because it, the, sometimes the way that things look on the field for road teams can be deceiving. It can look like the guy got the first down, but because they're on the road, it doesn't give them as much yardage. I understand that, you know, first you know, first and 10, a guy runs for what looks like 10 yards, but the simulation says, okay, well, they're on the road, so we'll give them eight or nine yards. But, the, but you can see that on the side where it recaps the play. And it says, you know, first and 10, rush for eight yards. It gives you the yardage total. But on there, it said, pass completed for 12 yards on the 12 yard line. That's a touchdown. That's the Yeti winning. And I get that, you know, Berlin's kind of had a bad run of luck this year. And a lot of people have said they should be a lot more successful than they are. But that in itself, for me, is an issue. If you have an expansion team, right? You have an expansion team in its second season and somehow works and somehow them being one in five, six games into the season is like the worst run of luck ever Then you are behind in terms of the, 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 the teams that you should have. We need to add like four more teams then like, I and that might be difficult, but that's the only way to get actual like realistic ish results for an expansion team in this league. You should not be expecting an expansion team in their second season to be winning most of their games. That's just, that doesn't happen. You know, I'm not saying they need to look like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going 0-26 in their first two years, but saying that they are super, super unlucky for losing most of their games in their second season coming off of expansion, that's ridiculous. You know, you don't have enough teams in the league for the amount of players you've got. But anyway, you know, that's my rant over how long did that take? Oh, that was a couple minutes. Oh, anyway, my notable players for Berlin, moving on. Susan Cash, Jr., wide receiver, spotted three catches for 124 yards and a touchdown, while Benoit Blanco had 13 tackles and a forced fumble. Colorado, William Lim had seven catches for 114 yards and a touchdown, and on defense, Melvin Moose had nine tackles, one sack, and one pass deflection. And yeah, you 32 seconds left, first and 10, 12-yard pass to Batista, he somehow tackled short. Yeah, that play. That's that. Listen in on that radio call. Have fun. First and 10 from the 12-yard line. 32 seconds left. It all comes down to this. Caliban lines up in the shotgun. 3 wide receiver split out. One tight end in. He's going to take the snap. He's going to look. He's going to throw it immediately to Dave Bautista. And he's going to be powered towards the inside. He's going to be just short. The refs are going to him just short. It looked like he got over the line again, but they're going to say no. They got the stop, and that's going to be a win for the Berlin Fire Salamanders. Their first of the season. Okay, swiftly moving on, the Sarasota Sailfish at the Arizona Outlaws game. The Sailfish came out on top 34-20. to The season just keeps getting worse and worse for the Outlaws, now dropping a crucial home game to the Sailfish. Arizona finds themselves at 2-4, and four, and unless they turn their season around fast, they will no doubt find themselves with a high draft pick and an aging core. Sarasota wins their fifth in a row and is sitting with Yellowknife in the driver's seat of the NSFC. My notable players, Arizona Saba Donut at wide receiver, had six catches for 76 yards and a touchdown. While on defense, DB Janicus continues his great season with seven tackles, one forced fumble, and one fumble recovery. For Sarasota, Mike Boss Jr. had the, his best game of his career so far throwing for 361 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions, while on defense, Ha Ha Mango Panda had 11 tackles and two forced fumbles. My play of the game, with 11-10 left in the fourth and down 27-13, JQ attempted to rush up the middle, and Ha Ha Mango Panda blew him up and forced the ball out with a Sarasota recovery. Listen in on the radio call. All right, 11 minutes left here in the fourth quarter. JQ in the shotgun. He's going to take the snap. He's going to immediately take off on a QB design run. And, oh, he got crushed by Mango Panda. The ball is out, and Sarasota has it. Sarasota has the recovery. Next up, we've got the San Jose Sabercats at the Austin Copperheads. game. Of the Copperheads came out on top 27-10. to 10. The Copperhead's surprisingly strong front half of the season continues with a win over the defending champs, moving them to 4-2. and two. Vidal Sound also moves up the list of the best wide receivers in the league with a game-of-the-year type performance. If this offense can keep this up, they could end up a surprising playoff contender. The Sabrecats, however, find themselves in the opposite boat at 2-4, dropping their third game in a row. They have the worst offense in the league, and their defense isn't much better. Not quite the title defense they mounted last season. It's increasingly unlikely they even get a shot to 3 p my notable players for Austin, Vidal Son had six catches for 141 yards and two touchdowns, while Griffin Porter had 10 tackles, one tackle for loss, and one sack. For San Jose, DeAndre Thomas-Fox at wide receiver had four catches for 85 yards, and Lawrence Bass had 12 tackles for two tackles for loss and one sack. My play of the game, with 18 left in the third quarter, Easton Cole threw a 35-yard touchdown pass to Vidal Son to extend the league 20-3. Listen in on the radio call. Eight minutes left here in the third. Austin up 13-3. to Easton Cole lines up in the shotgun. He's going to take the stab. He's going to immediately throw a strike to Videlson. Oh, he's stiff in the quarter to the ground, and he's running free into the end zone for a 35-yard touchdown. Wow, you'll see that one on SportsCenter tonight. All right, next up we have the upset of the week. The New York Silverbacks at the Orange County Otters, a game New York somehow came out on top, 17-3. And, yeah, that, <laughs> once again we can get into a talk about expansion teams and where they should be, but I already covered that, and I'm not going to repeat that. So, an absolute shocker of a game, and definitely the upset of the season so far, the Silverbacks find themselves in a pretty good shot to take a playoff spot. They'll definitely be a team to watch over the next few weeks. At 3-3, three and three, they just need to keep the course with Howitzer, and they may well stay ahead of the expansion curve. The Otters continue to stumble after dropping last week's game versus the second line, losing an absolutely inexcusable game at home versus New York. It's unlikely this game will affect their playoff standing, except maybe keep them from getting the bye or the number one seed. But regardless, any MVP hopes from Suleiman Ramza took a massive hit this week. My notable players for New York, Sam Howitzer at 202 yards, one touchdown and no interceptions, while Bob Roberts had four tackles and three pass deflections. <laughs> And I have to laugh because I feel like every week that I give Bob Roberts the shout out for for New York, it's just it's never that he had an amazing performance. It's just that the defensive as a whole plays well, but nobody is like lining up the stat sheet. So I just end up kind of defaulting it to Bob Roberts. And, you know, he deserves it. But it's not like, you know, it's not like the other stat lines I'm reading out where it takes me like a minute to do so. But, you know, credit to him. And now we talk about OCO. For their offense, I give it to nobody. You know, I'll do the same thing I did with the Selfish last season. Maybe this will kick them into gear. Nobody deserves it. Everyone played like garbage, and nobody gets a game ball for this week. You all played terrible. Win next week if you want a game ball so damn much. On defense, though, Joseph Joestar had 14 tackles, one tackle for loss, and one sack, so at least he earned a game ball. by play of the game with 11.57 left in the second quarter. Quarterback Ramza attempted a run to the outside and was tackled by Mac Griddle, forcing a fumble, recovered by New York, halting any OCO momentum. Listen in on the radio call. Suleiman Ramza lines up here in the shotgun. Tansu Nakamura to his right. He's going to take the snap and going to be immediately sweeping out to the left. A wide sweep is going out. He's going to be tackled down right there on the edge. And he'll oh, the ball out. He lost the football. Matt Griddle forced it out. Oh, and it's going to be recovered by New York. And Osio's drive ends right there on their half of the field. And finally this week, we have the Baltimore Hawks at the Philadelphia Liberty. Again, Baltimore came out on top 30 20. This was probably the best performance in Chica Fujiwara's career and definitely the best game I've seen the Hawks play all season. They looked like a a complete team for the first time all year and showed the true potential of their offense, putting up 30 points on the road. The Liberty dropped their second in a row, this one at home. Sitting at 2-4, that NOLA upset seems so far away now. And they will need to continue to draft and develop their own talent for any hope of success in the future. Not too much else to say for them. My notable players for Philadelphia, Sam Torrenson, had 56 yards, averaged 4 yards per carry, and scored 1 touchdown. While on defense, Atlas Quinn, the cornerback, had 8 tackles, 2 pass deflections, and 1 interception. For Baltimore, obviously, Chuka Foguara is getting my offensive play of the game, throwing for an insane 396 yards, 2 touchdowns, and only 1 interception. While on defense, Ben Stack and Paper had 12 tackles, 1 forced fumble, 1 fumble recovery, and 2 pass deflections. I play of the game immediately following a Philly touchdown. Mathias Henyati returned the kickoff 108 yards to the house. All right, going to go quickly over my power rankings. Quite a bit of movement since I haven't talked about them for uh, about three weeks now. Sarasota takes the number one spot, moving up one spot. Yellowknife jumps up three spots to number two. Orange County falls two spots to number three. New Orleans fall- jumps up six spots sorry, to number four, recovering from their loss to uh, Philadelphia, as I've said. Austin jumps up 3 spots to number 5. Colorado falls 2 spots to 6. San Jose falls 1 spot to 7. Chicago falls 5 spots to 8. Honolulu stays at 9. Arizona fi- falls five, uh, 3 spots sorry, to 10. New York stays at 11. Baltimore stays at 12. Philadelphia stays at 13. And Berlin stays at 14. Next up, we've got my quick seven predictions. Going to be going through these pretty quickly. Second line at the Sabercats. I've got the Sabercats coming out on top at home. Wraiths is the Silverfish. I've got the si- at the Selfish, Sorry, Silverfish. I played too much Minecraft. I've got the Sailfish coming out on top. The Yeti at the Otters. I've got the Otters winning that one. All right, coming off of that Philly touchdown, they're going to kick off, and it's going to be a whole eight yards deep in the end zone. And and Hanyadi's going to take this one out. I'm not sure if this is the best idea. He's running up the middle, and he's got a lane. And Oh, he's still going. He's at the 30. He's at the 40. He's only got the kicker to beat. Oh, and he choked him out. He's heading all the way down the field. He's got the 30, the 20, nobody inside, and he's in for the
1: touchdown. Oh, 108 yards.
0: The Outlaws at the Copperheads, I've got the Copperheads coming out on top. The Silverbacks at the ha ha I've got the ha ha winning that one. And the Fire Salamanders at the Baltimore Hawks, I've got the Hawks winning. And the Butchers at Liberty, I've got the Butchers taking that one. So almost an entirely home team week for me this time, except for the Butchers beating the Philadelphia Liberty. Not too much of a surprise, I don't think. I think uh, quite a few people would probably agree with me. I'll have to check predictions, though. All right, now wap- wrapping up this week got question time. Unfortunately, some of these questions are going to be slightly outdated, but, you know, what can you do? School is probably a little bit more important than dot .football, though maybe, you know, some of you would disagree. First question comes from Menace0528. Who do you think will surprise everyone and do well, and who do you think will fall short of expectations? Well, like I said, this one's a little bit late. You know, this was meant to be right after uh, week three and four, and instead it's after week six. So we've got a slightly better idea. But what I would have said was, for the sort of expectations, I, I had a, quite a few people saying that my uh, my prediction of Berlin was going to age poorly, putting them so low, and that you know they'd do a lot better, and a lot of people were betting on them and do, to do quite well in the season, and I know quite a few people bought stocks in Berlin before the season started, and i i I just couldn't see Berlin doing particularly well in-universe with their offense and out of-universe with, you know, the way expansion teams work. And just just I just couldn't see it happening, you know. Sim luck or not, I, I just wasn't going to see Berlin doing quite well this season. It seems like that was continuing on track. Uh, better than expectations to surprise everyone? At the time, I might have told you, because a lot of people been pushing, I would have said either Yellowknife or Austin. Because Yellowknife mainly was the one who really have come out of nowhere to keep going to be as good as they are. I, I, I think I believe they had a GM change recently, or at least they had some kind of massive overhaul. And I know a lot of people didn't expect them to do too well, and I was kind of on their train last season, and then I kind of fell off of it this year. But a couple weeks in, they they seem to be performing surprisingly well and call it sim luck or call it whatever you want. But I think they're 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 doing quite well for themselves. So that's kind of how to, who I would have to go with. All right. Next question comes from Rotsboo. Why were there like thirty of you in the Col- Colorado locker room? I was confused. Okay, so this was, um, funnily enough, this has the connection to uh, Big Ed's, you know, rather infamous punishment thread. Now, so because we were, because uh, we were still deciding, you know, who was going to run the Colorado Twitter account, and myself and uh, Soup were the two that uh, that were the only two that applied. Apparently, so still ended up picking myself and Soup, and. Ed was uh, deciding he was gonna cause some trouble as Ed does, so he was like, "Okay, I'll just, I'll just be, I'll just imitate Russ fan. I'll just take his profile picture. I'll take his name, and then, well, I'll just pretend to be him." So you know, I kind of played along and had some fun with it. And apparently, it, it, it spread. <laughs> it spread, and suddenly there were a whole bunch of us. I think, I think TVC might have manually changed everybody. I don't think it was voluntary. <laughs> I. I, I think it was one of the people who had name-changing powers in Colorado decided that, you know, there needed to be like 30 of me. And I don't blame him. I, you know, I think there should be 30 of me in real life. Oh, God, no. Can you imagine? Oh, gee. Well, I, at least I could get somebody else to do these podcasts once in a while. But, you know, I it was just a little bit of fun. And I, I, I actually didn't think, you know, how was I going to look to somebody from the outside? But, yeah, I think it's 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 long been fixed now. But it was actually quite funny at the time. Next up, we've got Zain- Zainzik. I think that's how you pronounce it, or is that Zane Z K? You have to tell me. Obviously, you got a ways to go before you retire. But what position do you think you would recreate as? And that was that was something I've actually been kind of debating myself because the, really these careers they move faster than you think because you start to regress in season seven, right? Now I I technically was season twenty four, but I started in season twenty three, so I've got season twenty three done. That's one. Season twenty four was the year I got drafted, but I was still down the DSFL. My third season was the first in. The ISFL. So that's three seasons in. I'm on season four right now. Season four right now. I'm already over halfway to the to, to regression. And granted, regression doesn't hit too hard until like the third year in it. So, you know, it's 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 not quite as simple as, oh, you can regress and suddenly you got to retire. Like, there's a reason why you can go to 15 seasons before it auto-retires you. But, you know, I, I was considering either I, I've been looking at three positions. I was thinking cornerback, you know, if I wanted to stay as a DB, that could be fun. Linebacker, if I just wanted to all the stats or, you know, maybe try offense and go to wide receiver, maybe running back. Yeah. I, I, I haven't, you know, I haven't really decided and thankfully I don't have to decide quite yet, but you know, no matter where I go, I'll try to be, you know, the best player I can be, obviously, you know, maybe I'll be a quarterback if, if the need arises, but I, I seriously doubt it will in the coming years. But uh, next up, is there any Season 27 rookie that has caught your eye? Well, honestly, as I said before, I, I wasn't, you know, I don't really know the Season 27 class too well. I'm sure they'll be great. You know, there are some great people in Portland that I've interacted with. But uh, nobody that I've been able to, you know, find so far has caught my eye on the football field. Which is unfortunate, because I know there will be great players there. But, you know, just not my area of expertise. Uh, next up, as a Defensive Rookie of the Year nominee yourself, who's your favorite to win the award? This year. Well. Unfortunately again. I, I'm not too well into a position. To talk about rookie awards. Ah oh, man. Yeah I I really don't know. Which you know sucks. Because this is the second question in a row. I've just got to go. Uh, I don't know. But that's just that's the position I find myself in. Yeah you know it's an important award. It's a great start to a. Even better career. But you know. I'm not the one to ask about it, I guess. Uh, uh, After that, he asks, what game on Colorado's schedule scares you the most? And really, the games, they kind of already happened. You know, we had this road game at Yellowknife, who at the beginning of the season, we didn't pick to be too tough a game, but obviously we lost. And, you know, now they're shaping up to be really, really good. So there that is. And on the road at Chicago, that was also one where it was like, oh, Christ, on the road at Chicago, and we lost it again. I guess remaining from this point forward, I imagine, I haven't looked, but we'll have to go on the road to Sarasota at some point, and that one's probably the one that, you know, really scares me the most at this point, because G- thankfully we did win at, we did win at home to start the season, so that's always important, but that game on the road at this point could really shape up whether even we make the playoffs or not, you know, forget, you know, seating. It, of course it depends, and we still got 10 games to go, so we got plenty of... We got plenty of uh, ways to go in the season, so this could be completely, you know, outdated by three or four weeks from now. But that I'd have to answer with uh, on the road at Sarasota at this point. Uh, as and his finally his final question is: Is there any player that you consider to be a rival? Not really. I mean, you know, I, I I kind of enjoy you know most people's company. If there's anybody that I don't particularly like, I just kind of ignore them. I guess in terms of like a fun rivalry. I mean, me and Soup being on the same team now, we never really compare stats, but we do kind of, you know, we always want to do as good as we can. There's nobody else that I'm really, you know, that I talk to outside of Colorado who plays, you know, a similar defensive position because that's really how the rivalry would work, right? They'd have to play safety or cornerback. Yeah, there's there's not really anybody, you know, I'm just kind of a nice guy. I get along with everybody. Hopefully nobody contradicts that. yeah, you know, not really anybody that I consider a rival. Uh, next up, Frostbite has one simple question, and it's award predictions! No! <laughs> yeah, I never really explained, you know, because last season, my very, the very first episode of this that I ever did was similar to the very first episode I did for this season, which was talking about the off-season, pre and looking into the, the season. And one of the things I did was I did predictions for awards. It ended up being, you know, mostly inaccurate, but I did end up getting MVP of Dexter Banks right which I I was actually pretty proud of. So that was the one award that I'm actually going forward predicting as MVP. But the rest of it, I just, I I, I had a thought, and that's, it's not really best player at the position, right? It's best player at the position that is most likely to get them stats. So it's not like, like defensive tackle of the year isn't defensive tackle of the year. It's who's playing like the correct spot at defensive tackle of the year, like Rapid Eagle for example, isn't higher TPE than most defensive tackles, but he's playing the spot It's most likely to get him sacks and tackles for loss, and that's going to be what ultimately puts him ahead in terms of awards voting come awards time. Or, you know, safety of the year. I'm playing free safety. Free safety is more liable to get, like, interceptions and make those bigger plays that are likely to get me awards votes at the end of the year. So somebody who plays strong safety like maybe Eugene smoothie is less likely, even though he technically at the time at the, at this point has more TPE than I do and would technically be considered the better player. So I just, I just felt like doing a worse predictions wasn't really, you know, MVP, maybe offensive player and defensive player of the year were maybe the only kind of fair awards to predict because that just the, the, the pool of players is just so large that it's the only like fair competition that isn't as much affected by, where you play in the sim so that's why i wasn't doing awards predictions anymore and why i probably won't be doing it in the future outside of you know a couple of uh, specific ones now finally still asks, please discuss your top five soups and rank them accordingly i'm not even really a fan of you know soup the the, the food please don't take that out of context <laughs> you know the only one that i've ever eaten and actually really quite enjoyed was french onion from this like really high class restaurant so, yeah, French onion would be number one, and then there'd be, like, pretty much nothing else after. Just generally not a fan of of liquid food in general, really. Except, except, apparently outside of French onion soup. Uh, also, do you consider chowder a soup? And if not, why do you support the Communist Party? Well, you know, uh, keeping the kid gloves on, so I, I really appreciate that. I You know, I'm, I'm not really... Uh, you know, knowledgeable on my what considers a a soup. You'd be better asking me whether a hot dog is a sandwich or a, a sub. But, you know, whether the answer is yes to either of those questions, I do not support the Communist Party. And so I guess I'll have to agree that uh, chowder is in fact a soup. And if you disagree with me, you'll have to take it up with my esteemed GM. Uh, His next question is, uh, finally, bacon and corn chowder is just an overall improvement. Agreed. I'm not sure why. I think still might have been a little hungry when he was asking these questions. Eat next time, buddy. I can get more substantial questions out of you, buddy. But uh, uh, bacon and anything really is an improvement. So I I guess, you know, don't eat corn chowder. I'm not a big fan of corn. But, you know, like I said, bacon and anything, especially crunchy bacon, if you're talking about something like soup. Hell yeah. Agreed. So those are all the questions this week. Uh, not sure when I'll do another question thread for the next week's episode because I was trying to do it once a week, but these were a little bit behind. So, but you know, maybe I'll wait until the episode that'll go up on next Monday. Yeah, I think that's what I'll do. <laughs> Don't you just love it when you're only like half scripted on these things? But my final outro is going to be a song that I've listened to quite often from a a, a singer that I've actually grown to uh, quite love and is one of my favorites. Song is going to be "After All" by Linda Etter, a classic of hers. And I, really, I think that she she normally does uh, Broadway stuff. So if you're not a fan of that, she still has other songs that she does. And she's just got such a fantastic voice. And I think it's worth giving this one a listen to. And if you like this one, just search Linda Eder on YouTube and you'll find plenty of other pieces of music by her. And she, she's definitely, she's been singing since she's 19. So she's definitely got something out there that you all enjoy. Thank you for listening and I will see you...
1: On Monday. The moon makes rain.